Let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be there in verse number 9. This is the second part of our message on scary prayers. We're going through the Lord's Prayer verse by verse. Let's go ahead and read the text. Give you a moment to get there. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one there on the pew. And if you want a really nice Bible, some of our members who love their Bibles so much that they could never go anywhere without them have left them back here in Lost and Found for months on end. So we'd like to donate you their Bible uh, if you would like a really nice one back there. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. And these are the words of Jesus. He says, pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some versions have, for thine is the kingdom or yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And the week before Easter, we looked at the idea that the Lord's Prayer, even though it's familiar to a lot of us, it can be really, really scary when you when you kind of peel back the layers and look at what Jesus is actually teaching us to pray like. Now we may have some in the room and you, you have a little issue with control. You, you like the lists, you like the control. The Lord's Prayer is all about giving up control of our lives to Christ. I mean, seriously, look, look at what Jesus said that we are to pray like. He says, our Father in heaven, we broke that down last time, honored is the name of God. But then he says in verse number 10, we are to pray like this, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, to pray that and really, really mean it in our hearts can be a super scary thing. Right? Like think about control for just a moment. You're driving down the road and that person in your life, in your family, your circle of friends who is known for being a careless driver is driving and you're riding. Now, I'm, I'm totally okay with aggressive drivers. I'm totally okay with fast drivers. But you get somebody that's in the car and you're like, why did you just run that red light? Oh, what red light? Like that kind. Well, they, they don't, they just miss the big picture. It's, listen, sometimes people look at God and they're like, man, God, you're talking about like I should pray so that my whole life, like we pray, like we just sang, I give my life. In honor of this, what's the this? If we raised the screen, we would see a cross. That I'm so encouraged today. This is like the first time I think maybe this year, maybe one other time, I was able to go to Sunday school. We had a break in between the membership classes today. Man, what an encouraging time it was. I don't get some of you that don't go to Sunday school and Bible study. It's getting tense, Fred. That's so bizarre. I'm, I'm just like, let, let me just get this on my chest. Like, we have teachers who prepare every week and they do a great job. And yet people don't come. I'm like, dude, you can study God's word for an hour. Like, with, with people who love Christ and you can do life together. I simply don't get it. So if you remember Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, come to Bible study. You're welcome. 
But sometimes we can look at that like, hey, that's a scary thing. That's why our main idea, again, is, and if you have your, your bullets in your worship guide, just read along with us. The Lord's Prayer is the model prayer. Jesus is not saying you have to pray these words. He's saying pray like this. Remember that? Because sometimes we think, okay, the Lord's Prayer is to memorize the Lord's Prayer. It's never bad to memorize the words of Jesus, Right? If you memorize the words of Jesus, that's good. It's always amazing to me, like when you're hanging out with people and you just throw out a random movie line, just a random movie line. I won't do it because you'll be totally going there in your mind the whole rest of the time. And people like jumping on that movie line, quoting other lines from the movie. But sometimes we know more about movies than we do the word of God. The mo- it is the model prayer. We don't necessarily have to memorize it, but it's a, it's a model for submission to God, which can, quote, be scary if you're running away from God. And if you're running from God here this morning, you're probably already freaked out. Amen? It's like sometimes we, we, when we're running from God, anything having to do with the Lord kind of causes that fear and that terror. Well, it's because we know on our conscience that we should be following Christ. So here, let me give an encouragement. We have, I mean, just a mixed group. You guys are continually knocking it out of the park. I don't know where so many people find out about Rocky Mount Baptist Church. And we just have people who come. And then now this is the time of year to where people take shifts and being gone, right? Because one thing I've learned about Virginia is that once it gets warm, people are like, they're like, I'm just, I don't know where I'm going. I'm going. I'm driving. So I don't even know. I'm not even putting on my seatbelt. I'm just going. People like, you know, all over the place. You guys are doing so good. So here's the thing. I just want to put this out there. If you're kind of new to church or if this is your first time back to church in a long time, or if you've never really even been around it, man, we applaud you. And we are so glad that you're here. Amen, church. We are so glad. Amen. Let's just give, give the Lord praise. Yes. Because here's the thing that we're not about. Now, we, we can get passionate in our preaching and in our singing, but one thing we don't want to portray from that is we're awesome, and the people who are members here are awesome. No, the only thing that we want to point to as awesome is Christ, all right? Just being honest. I cannot help you, because some people look at the pastor and they say, if I can just have, and I would love to get to know you, but they say, if I can just have one time to talk to the pastor, he'll solve all my problems. Not true. Not true. In fact, if you hang around me more, it may cause create more problems because man we're going to do an event with the guys here in a couple of weeks it's going to be awesome it's going to be an explosive event we'll just let that go for right now but what we're just saying is that we want to point to christ so jesus we're going to unpack this phrase this morning is saying your kingdom come your will be done the history channel has a show on right now called the men who built america how many of you have seen that show i see your hands man what what an incredible show it's actually historically accurate Believe that or not. If it's anything about Christianity, it's totally jacked on the History Channel. They're like, did you know that Jesus was actually an MMA fighter in the first... Like, what? It's bizarre. Like, when they come to Christianity, it's like, let us get every nut job who got a degree off the internet and put Dr. So-and-so up on the screen, and you get all this craziness. But it was so amazing, and I was watching uh, the, the section about Rockefeller and Vanderbilt. And man, how these guys just had so much determination. They had this drive to like build and create and Rockefeller to dominate, right? Like total domination. That's where a lot of our antitrust monopoly are not monopoly. Yeah. Like not like the game, right? Not like the game, but like actually guarding businesses from being uh, totally dominated by one entity. And I thought, you know, in a sense, like, in a way, a lot of those guys, that, that, that became their life. They identified themselves. It was their kingdom. 
Even though Rockefeller was a life... Do y'all know that he taught Sunday school? I didn't know this until the show. He taught Sunday school and he always tithed 10% of his income. Imagine being the counters for that. (laughs) But so easily it could be persuaded to say, let me build my kingdom. But just for a moment, I want us to look into the mindset of kings, of generals, of CEOs, of business people, of soldiers, of inventors, of mechanics, of the people who really have God's grace on their life. Moms. Amen? Some of y'all totally didn't get that. The ones who really have the hard jobs. And we look at that and we see this drive to dominate and create and kind of wrestle creation so that we, we produce. Like you take a grain of sand and from that, from that, from that, from that, we get MacBooks. We computers and I mean all sorts of crazy stuff that makes our world go around today. Just for a moment, look into that determination that some of those people had to build financial empires and think back to what God told us in the first chapter of Genesis when he says that I have given mankind the job to subdue and to use the earthly resources for man's benefit. Not that we're supposed to go out and pollute and destroy God's creation, but God has given us everything to be used for his glory and for mankind's benefit. So when you see people who seem like they're all about building their own empire, if that could be readjusted to saying, Lord, let your kingdom come, what power there would be. I mean, some of you, some of you, it may be you're at this point in your life. You believe in the authority of the Bible. You say, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I am a follower of Christ. I want to make him first place in my life and in my marriage and in my work. But sometimes, sometimes it can be easy to get distracted by doing what we need to do to pay bills and get distracted that the reason why we pay bills is so that we can bring glory to God. The reason why we're wise with our finances is so that we can actually have money set aside to do missions work. Y'all okay? Disposable income, man, that is a huge question. And we're talking about like, what do you do when everything is paid, you know, and you you try to put a little bit back for retirement and you put gas in the truck and you change out the gaskets on the wife's van or car or truck or whatever it is, or her motorcycle if she's a Harley chick. I mean, you get all of that stuff together and then afterwards you say, what do I do with the rest? When we pray, God, let your kingdom come, it readjusts the way that we look at life. And some of you have so much potential to be used by God but right now you're pursuing your own kingdom. And some of us say this, Jeff, it almost sounds like when Jesus is saying, we're supposed to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will be done. Where do I fit into that? I mean, it almost sounds like I don't even, I mean, what, do, do I even fit in there anywhere? I want to have freedom. Well, think about it like this. A train If a train had a mind and a heart and said, I desire freedom, let me get outside the tracks, that's called a train wreck. Right? But if there, this train says, I want to do what I've been built to do within the confines of the track, the train has an incredible potential to do what it was designed to do. So I'm telling all of us, we were designed for our lives to point to God and for us to love Him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love other people as God has loved us. Santa Jeff, now what in the world does it mean, that phrase, when we pray for 
God's kingdom to come. What means this? To pray for God's kingdom to come means to pray that earth would resemble more of heaven than hell. You say, Jeff, well, what is, what is the kingdom of God exactly? Well, here's where you need to put your thinking caps on. It is the already and the not yet. The already, the kingdom of God that's actually here right now is when a person repents of their sin and places their faith in Jesus Christ. And not only that, the what is to come, that is what's going to happen when Jesus finally returns. You see, the kingdom of God is where Christ is actually king. And some people may say, well, does that mean that there are places in the universe here on planet Earth where Christ is not king? Is Satan like some of our... uh, yeah, I'm just going to say, honestly, when, when so-called Christian movies come out, be very careful. It's the same thing with so-called Christian music. Just because you throw the word God in there, every other song doesn't make it Christian music. We okay? When you have books that come out, when you have movies that come out, and it's supposed to be about God, you ask yourself, where does Christ fit in this picture, is Christ glorified as king or is he kind of just a tap on to sell it to Christian audiences? And people say, well, no, hold on. Is Christ actually king in those brothels in India? Like that area where Susan works to where those girls are, are trying to come out of, of, of prostitution and sex slavery. I mean, I mean, what, wh- what about, what about the places around the world that are twisted? What about in the UK and in Oregon, USA, to where they were using the bodies of aborted children to incinerate the bodies to heat the buildings? Is Christ Lord there? What about, Jeff, homes to where domestic violence and alcoholism rages? What about the homes to where there is not a drop of alcohol, not one leaf of marijuana, none of that, but yet dad and mom are totally disconnected from their children's lives. To simply pop in a DVD and say, watch this and check out emotionally. Is Christ King there? Let me give you three ways to understand this, because if you don't understand it right... You and I will miss it thinking that God is either causing, in other words, God is doing evil things, or God has no ability to stop evil people from doing evil things. Number one, God does not tempt people with evil. James chapter 1 and verse 13 says that God is not tempted by evil, uh, and he doesn't tempt anyone. Number two, Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. God is giving even the, the quote unquote, the worst of the worst of the worst, God is giving them time to repent. Let me give you a cup, couple of references here. And by the way, if you take notes, you will remember far more than if you don't. We okay? Write it down so you can go back. Revelation chapter 6 verse 10. These are people who have been killed for the name of Christ there before the presence of God. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long before you will judge the and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Check this out. Some people think that vengeance is something the Bible doesn't teach. The Bible does teach it. But whose vengeance is it? It's God's. That means that you and I are not allowed to take a revenge-fueled, Jack Bauer, dirty, hairy trip to the people's house that we don't really like. They're in heaven. Get this. People who've been saved to the point 
to where they were put to death for Christ and they're in heaven saying, God, how long are you going to let this go on? Another reference, Revelation 22, 20. The Bible says, he who testifies to these things says, and this is Jesus, surely I am coming soon. You know what the apostle John said, who had seen the book of Revelation in the vision? He said, amen. When you say amen, that means so be it. Let it stand. He says, amen, come Lord Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, this is like 90 AD. Jesus just ascended just a few years before, like in the 30s AD. And he's saying, come. Come, don't wait. You say, well, hold on, Jeff. You, you were talking about like the brothels and the kids who've been abused and, and the children who go to sleep hungry at night. Why isn't God taking care of that? Listen, the only reason why we are still alive and Christ has not come back is because he's giving the world mercy. He's giving the world mercy. And man, for those of us who he's changed and we have been saved, not because of how good we are, but because of what Jesus has done, he's given us a job to do. He's given us a job to pray that his kingdom would come. Number three, the king is coming. Come on now. Y'all awake? The king, the king is coming. So here, here's the question for Americans. We say, all right, I'm thinking about this passage. I'm trying to let God's word soak into my mind and heart. A king is not the American style of government. Mostly. What's the best form of government? Well, if you have sinful people, then there needs to be checks and balances, right? What did Lord Acton say that we learned in history class? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That's the reason why our forefathers put into checks and balances in our government so that one branch would not have more uh, power to be a dictator from the bench or from the executive office or from the legislative branch. He said, hold on, Jeff. Can I be an American... And can I be a patriotic American and actually pray that a kingdom would come? And if you read the book of Daniel closely, the kingdom of Christ, when it comes, it says it's going to smash everything. You've seen the X-Men movies, that, that great spiritual hymn put to a movie, right? The juggernaut, man, he's just boom, boom, boom. through. I mean, the Bible says when Jesus comes, he does not make treaties. Doesn't sound very American. Sometimes we think, well, they're, they're, I, I either turn in my U.S. citizenship or I turn in my Bible. Listen, devotion to the revealed goodness of God that has been woven and stitched into the fabric of American law and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is a noble thing. To stand up and say, the Bible speaks of freedom. In our country for right now, we have freedom. Of conscience. To practice a faith or a religion or not to. We see that, that, that God's word is all about the nature and the character of God. That's why, at least traditionally in our country, it's not been about the president or what he wants to do or what a leader wants to do. It's what the law actually, actually says. And part of being a patriot means exposing things that are wrong. We still okay? If you, if you, if you care about what truly is good, we will 
not have blind faith to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Libertarian Party or whatever party it may be or even to some political pipe dream. But we will say, I want to devote my life to Christ and let that shine in the culture that God has placed me in. But ultimately, we have to be very careful. Otherwise, we'll fall into the trap of Jonah. Jonah was more of a nationalist than he was a follower of God. Remember Jonah? He was there before Nineveh. Some of you guys remember the story as a little kid. Nineveh was a crazy, wicked city. And it was very possible that the Ninevites, the people living in Nineveh, they had harmed people, killed people, tortured people who Jonah knew and loved. And so God tells Jonah, go tell them, unless they repent, 40 days, it's Nuke City. And Jonah's kind of like, But I know, God, that you're loving and merciful, and if they repent, then you won't send the judgment. So if they're this way, I'm going to run this way. He was more concerned about his local culture and blood feuds than he was about the kingdom of God. You see, as Christians, we serve a king. And I love the United States of America, and I think that we should be patriotic and stand up for the things that need to be stood up for and absolutely honor our veterans. I mean, goodness, if you see a veteran out, I mean, you can do so much more than just buy them a meal. You can, I mean, do what you can to express thanks and gratitude for what they've done and what they've sacrificed for. But here's the thing for a Christian. Our allegiance is not totally codified in the Constitution. We're serving a king who's above every Constitution. Jesus' law is better than American law. We've got some people who are like, Amen. Listen, every country has its flaws because it's made up of people. But our trust is in God. Do I want the U.S. to go down the tubes? Absolutely not. Will I fight tooth and nail and try to do everything to help our country and our our local community? Absolutely. But our trust ultimately is not in the United States economy. It's in the coming kingdom. And if our trust is in that and our love is the king who's coming, that will help us be better Americans and better citizens here. So the kingdom of God is the already. It's when God comes into someone's life and changes their heart. You say, no, Jeff, I have noticed in my life that not everything in American culture lines up with the Bible. Not everything that I've seen that people say they're a Christian actually matches up with what the Bible says Christianity is. Listen, when you pray for God's kingdom to come, do you know what you do? You declare war on this present, selfish, materialistic, self-centered culture. And most of us, we can sit here and we can talk about things in our culture that we know are wrong and that are twisted. I mean, all of the, we'll say it again, all of the children that are collateral damage of primarily the men not being men. I mean, guys, let's, let, let, let's commit ourselves to Christ. Let's, let's love Him. And if you have a wife, love her. Ephesians chapter 5. As Christ has loved the church, to lay down your life for her, to pray for her, and to let her know that you want to be a broken, humble man before God because you love her. And ladies, if you've got a man that will do half that, you should fall on your knees and say, Thank you, Jesus. If your husband is far away from God, you pray for him. 
And you go 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 7 on him, that through a gentle and a Christ-like, gentle and a quiet spirit, you will silence his ignorance of the gospel. He'll look at you, be like, what got into my wife? I mean, my wife, she used to be, she used to be Medusa one day and a little angel the next day. But now she's talking about Jesus and she's changed. And if you're single like me, let us, let God prepare ourselves for that person that will come into our lives if he has that for us in our future. And all of those things we see, Jeff, I see these things in the world. Why are things this way? Let me give you a verse. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four. The Bible says the God of this age, little g God, speaking of Satan, has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe. Listen, nobody wants to say, hey, here's what I want for my life. I want to be deceived and waste my life. Nobody. Everybody really thinks that they're doing the right thing to a certain point. And then sometimes we get to that place in our life where we say, man, I know I should pray about God's kingdom coming, but man, I am so guilty. I have so much baggage. I mean, American Airlines tried to hire me because I knew I was the baggage guy. I've got all of this stuff that I don't know how to deal with. I, I don't know what to do with this. Listen, Jesus does. And you're, and he's leading you to follow him. He's leading you to turn in your citizenship for this world and say, I will now live for a king, King Jesus. And sometimes that can be scary. Can it not? I mean, some of you remember before you came to faith in Christ, maybe you, maybe you were coming to, come to church. Maybe it was here. And by the way, we've seen so many people get changed by Jesus Christ. I can't wait till after church. We're going to get to that in here in just a few moments. We're going to have a missions meeting. And then we've had, I don't know, for us like 40 or 50 people this year go through our, our membership class. And we love you guys. We, man, it's been awesome. We're going to feed you after church. Peanut butter and jelly. Just kidding. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be slap your mama good. But that's going to be for, 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 for those folks who've come. It's so great to see life change. But sometimes you remember when you, when Jesus was leading you closer step by step by step. Usually the first step is if I go to church, are people going to be weird? You know, like you have those people that will literally come and sit down next to you and not say anything. You ever been to those places before? They'll do this. It's called the silent bulletin read. They don't move until the, until the first song, right? Or then you're like, man, am I going to go into church and people are like going to be like, hey, how about a hug? And you're not a hugger and it gets really weird really fast. Or are people like it? I mean, are people going to come to me? Am I going to be dressed weird? I mean, is everybody going to be in suit and ties? Or do I go in shorts and a t-shirt or jeans? Or, or then what if I do? What if I do go? And then it's all switched to, ah, and then you start thinking all these things. Listen, it's so crazy when you look back or this. If I come, we hear this all the time, all the time. Are people going to judge me? Are people going to judge me? They may not even know you, but are they going to, are they going to judge me? We have all these fears that we look back on now and we see how the grace of God brought us from where we were to come into this faith family. And we know that church does not save us, right? You can sit here, man, you can, you can set up a tent in the vestibule and you can sleep here every night. You can take your baths in the baptistry. I mean, all, it doesn't, but 
there's so much to be said for. When God saves people, he doesn't just rescue an orphan and say, okay, go have your own orphan life over there. All right, orphan number two, why don't you go to the West? Orphan number three, no, he has created a family. He has created a family that we can do life together and be real with and check this out. It's a family that if we go there to verse number 14 and 15, Jesus speaks about forgiving. This faith family is a place to where we need often to be forgiven by one another. And it's a place to where we have the amazing, please catch this, the amazing opportunity to be offended. An amazing opportunity to even be treated wrongly and then give the grace of God through forgiveness. The world says, when you cross me, I'm done with you. And sometimes in church we hear it like this, I'm leaving the church. Listen, we can never truly leave the church, but it is through the grace of God that we pray for God's kingdom to come. For those of you that study military history, you know the Ottoman Empire it's actually for over a thousand years they dominated the Middle East. They were uh, from Turkey. And the invasion for Western Europe got all the way up to the gates of Vienna, Austria. Jihad is not a new thing. If you read your history books carefully. This was Western Europe. This is, this is Austria, like bordering Germany. They had conquered all of Eastern Europe. And they came and they laid siege in 1683 to the gates of Vienna. And they were defeated, but one of the Turks main ways they took down walled cities is they would tunnel and they would tunnel and they would tunnel and they would tunnel and they would gauge it correctly and they would set massive amounts of gunpowder under the wall and they would detonate it and the wall would simply implode. Listen, we are not to be jihadis for Jesus or kamikazes for Christ, but we are the humble servants of the Most High King. And listen, this is so cool. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you commit to follow him, you go to the enemy's territory and you undermine those walls and you come against structures such as racism, structures such as pride and especially religious pride and the things that we may struggle with, with lust and with, uh, with adultery and divorce and all of that. And we look and we say, this is an illegal structure and this is not your property. It's God's. This is his world. So we as Christians, if we're not moved by things like abortion and child abuse and to where women are preyed upon, as objects, may God have mercy on our soul. Where do we get this idea that a Christian is someone who comes to church and is unmoved about the world? We, we should be the most passionate people on the planet. We should be so moved by the passion that God has rescued us from hell and that his kingdom is coming. You see, that's the good news, man. When you look at places around the world, I've got so much to do this morning, we won't be able to get it all done, but Sunday's coming, right? We'll just pick it up next week. This is so, so cool. Um, out of the Huffington Post, not a Christian organization last time I checked. There is an article that came out on the 22nd, I guess that's five days ago uh, now, and it's called this, by Antonia Blumberg, quote, China on track to become world's largest Christian country by 2025, experts say. And let me read you a small portion from this article. 
says, just a few decades ago, some wondered whether religion would survive communist rule at all. However, as of 2010, there were 68 million Christians in China, according to Pew Research. Some experts like Purdue University professor Feng Yang Yang said, have no doubt, though, that China is on track to overtake the U.S. as the world's most Christian country. He says, quote, by my calculations, China is destined to become the largest Christian country in the world very soon. This is awesome that he told the Telegraph, a major British newspaper. He said, quote, it is going to be less than a generation. Not many people are prepared for this dramatic change. China has gone a long way to catch up with the U.S.'s Christian population. According to Pew Research, more than 78% of the United States population identifies as Christian. The People's Republic of China, which by the way, we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Whenever you see something that's for the people, like the people's army, it's usually not for the people. It's for the people in charge of the people. That was free. The People's Republic of China, which is officially an atheist country, I love this, has a population nearly of 1.4 billion. As of 2010, just 5% of China's population, roughly 67 million people were Christian, according to Pew Research, making it the largest, the seventh largest Christian country. Professor Yang, who wrote, Religion in China, Survival and Revival under Communist Rule, believes that the number of Christians in China will rise to 160 million by 2025 and 247 million by 2030, just as America's Christian population appears to be waning. The growth may not go unchallenged by the Chinese government, however, which routinely discriminates against Christians. The professor says the government does not trust the church But they have to tolerate it or accept it because the growth is there. One house church leader told the Telegraph, the number of Christians is growing and they cannot fight it. You see, this is the message of God's word. That you can have a communist regime. Let me give you, let me give you another article. We're not going to read through this one, but here's just the article from Christianity Today by Carrie Lodge. It's the uh, the 11th of this month. It's called Quote, growth, growth of Christianity is excessive, says Chinese official. They're noticing that you cannot stop the king. You cannot stop the undermining of the gospel on those walls, those walls of false religion, of atheism, of hate, of totalitarianism, and the king is coming. You can take confidence in that. Immediately after the service, we're going to have a meeting in my office. Lord willing, everything is set. We're going to go to India in this year, the first week of November. And we've been in talks with the missionaries who work there. They're actually going to be back here. They're going to live in Roanoke. They're going to be on furlough. They should be back here any day now. And they're going to be on furlough all the way through the first week of October. So they'll be able to do training with us. And I have a picture here uh, of India. Can you see that in the back, David? Right. And, uh, and one thing that you do... <laughs> see, some people never get that stuff. They never get it, which is entertaining in its own right. But if you look at India... The bottom, the the southern parts of India are more Christian. Where we're going, if you come to the meeting, we'll tell you 
There is 0.4% or less Christians. And that's anybody who says I'm a follower of Christ. See, now Jeff, we, we know, we know that you've done things that have been not wise, such as getting your skis and strapping your combat boots to your skis with duct tape, coming down Church Street when it snows. We saw the pictures. And we know that you got Chris Holland to come out here and do all of his donuts in the parking lot. That actually helped us clear up. We know that you're somewhat, I've heard people say, you're just, you're just crazy. I'm not. Listen, I've talked to friends in the ministry. Some guys, they pastor very large churches, huge budgets. And God has blessed us by your giving so that we can do missions. And they, it seems that the theme, not all the time, but is this. India is so far. And yes, it's expensive. And it's such a beat down to get over there that we're going to focus. And it's usually someplace South America, Central America, which is fine. If you share Jesus on a trip and it's a mission trip, it's a good mission trip. If you go on a mission trip and you don't share Jesus, I'm not going to say that. You should share Jesus. So you say, Jeff, why, why would be, why would we be directed to go there? And then what this is called, we're going to take a vision trip. The International Mission Board recommends that you take a group of people from your church and go, go there, do work, talk to the missionaries, meet the local national church leaders and see and pray if that's where God would have you to partner long term. We have prayed about this. It's been worked into messages. People have talked about it individually in groups. You say, Jeff, have you always had a desire to go to India? No. I mean, I, that, but, but, but here's the thing. When you, look, when you look at the map of the world, India is just red hot. And the redder those legends are on the map, it means more people don't know about Jesus. When I was in college, one of my professors gave an illustration. When you think about this piano over here, he says, if you've got ten guys who are bringing in a piano, and you've got nine of them on one end, and one of them on the other, which end would you go to to help out? You go, you go where it's most needed. Hunters, you go where there's the most game. You go to where the need is greatest. These are people that have been created in the image of God. Jesus Christ has died for them, but yet many of them do not have access to the gospel. Is it going to be a long trip? Absolutely. Will we need a few immunizations? Sure. Will we need bodyguards? All we'll need to do is just take a picture of Fred and John Gerani and just put it right here. Nobody will mess with us at all. We'll be golden. Be golden. Take up a collection from them for the missions in their own country, right? But here's, here's, all, here's all I know. And God has blessed us so much at Rocky Mountain Baptist Church. And some of you like, we know Jeff's been to seminary. I, honestly, all I know to do is to take God's word and to preach it. And past that, Fred helps and so many people here help with administration and the details and the nuts and bolts. But Jesus told us to go. And he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I'll be, I'll be with you even to the end of the world. That's where the greatest need is that we know of right now and that's where we believe the Lord is leading us. So what I'm asking you and pleading with you to do is, number one, pray about whether you're to go. Right after the service, I'm not going to be back there, not going to be right here. going to go right to the room because we've got to have the meeting, and then we're going to go back with the, uh, the membership luncheon. Pray about whether God would have you go. Secondly, 
Pray as to what God would have you to give. Because there are the goers, the sinners, and the disobedient. Some of you, because of work, because of health, you will not be able to go. You have it in your heart too, but it's just not going to happen this side of heaven. Pray and seek God about how you can alleviate the cost to bring it down. Maybe even to pay for someone who wants to go. And finally, begin to pray that God would just work. Because some people look at this and they say, well, well, yeah, we're bigger than a lot of churches, but there's a lot of churches that are bigger than us, whatever that means. Listen, all I know is that Jesus, after Judas betrayed him, had 11 guys, a group of misfits that had run out on him a few weeks ago. And Jesus says, all power on heaven and earth is given to me. Go and all the world make disciples of every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things. Teach them to obey all things that I've commanded you, lo, I'm with you, even at the end of the age. And guess what? That was it. Jesus didn't give them passports. He didn't give them immunizations. He didn't give them money. He didn't give them a budget. He didn't give them a committee, because if you have given them a committee, it would have never been done. But he just said, go. And they were so changed by the kingdom of God and by the king of that kingdom. They said, we will go wherever You send us to go. Let nobody ever say that because we're not running thousands or something like that yet, that we can't do what Jesus told us to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. This is our time of of commitment to Jesus. Number one, there are some of you and you are seeking your own kingdom. You, You simply are. You think you're okay because you're not out smoking crack, doing drive-bys. But your heart is a million miles away from Christ. And that type of pride damns more people to hell than any type of drug use. Today, repent. Have the kingdom of God ushered in in your life to where Christ comes and takes the keys to the car of your life and gets in the driver's seat. You get somewhere in there and say, Lord, take me where you would have me. You repent today. God is calling you to do that. Why don't you come to Jesus? Turn from your sin and turn to Christ.